Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's event, Upskilling Hospitality for More Sustainability and Resilience in the Food Supply Chain. My name is Dave Keating. I'm a journalist based in Brussels coming at you live from the Euractive Studios in the heart of Brussels' EU quarter. So today we're going to be talking about a sector which doesn't always get the appreciation that it sometimes deserves. The hospitality sector might be something we take for granted, but it's one of the key drivers of the EU economy. And that's something we became acutely aware of when it had to be closed during the COVID pandemic. Horeca businesses, that is, hotels, restaurants, and cafes, provide 11 million jobs in the EU and contribute between 2 to 3% of total EU GDP. But looking at the years ahead, the sector is facing significant challenges. The pandemic and the resulting lockdowns have left economic repercussions that are still felt up to this day. But financial recovery from the pandemic isn't the only challenge that the hospitality sector is facing. Inflation and high energy costs are also heavy burdens, especially for the owners of independent businesses. Labor shortages continue to be a pressing issue. And although these existed before, they were exacerbated by the pandemic, with 10 to 20 percent of the workforce having switched to other sectors. At the same time, sustainability demands are increasing, be it due to the digital and green transitions or new customer demands on animal welfare as well as regional sourcing. So today we'll discuss what skills are necessary to make the hospitality sector fit for the future, more resilient and more sustainable at the same time. To get us started, we're going to begin with a keynote speech from German center-right MEP Marlena Mortler. Marlena Mortler, I give the floor to you. Thank you so much, um, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to welcome you all, and I am pleased to be here today as a keynote speaker at this event by Metro and Euraktiv. With regard to Green Deal and the Farm to Fork strategy, I strongly believe in our primary producers, doing the one thing they know best, producing high-quality raw materials for our food. This is what we Europeans are known for. Food security, diversified agriculture that also focuses on social and societal concerns such as animal welfare, you mentioned environment and climate change. Promoting sustainable development and efficient management of natural resources, of natural resources uh, such as water, soil and air. Therefore, it is important for me to know exactly what the consequences of the Green Deal and Farm to Fork objectives are for future food security in Europe. We must avoid a crisis in excess to food, also becoming a crisis in food availability. Rising food prices, you mentioned, for consumers and rising input prices for farmers are already having a devastating impact on global food security. The brutal war against Ukraine has made the vulnerability of the youth food systems even clearer. 
one thing has become clear. Self-sufficiency in food cannot be taken for granted. In 2021, around 193 million people in 53 countries, our territories worldwide, were affected by acute food insecurity. Where people go hungry, conflicts are, conflicts are inevitable. European agriculture plays a crucial role in competing this potential crisis. COVID has set us back 10 years, including in the hospitality sector. That there is a great need for action with regard to digitalization has been shown before all by the corona pandemic. Regardless of whether it is a booking platform, an online delivery service, or a private accommodation agency, the fact is that competition between analog companies and digital service providers is not always fair or in balance. To position the hospitality industry successfully and efficiently for the future, you urgently need improved and faster digital processes and structures. A second topic that is particularly close to my heart is reducing unnecessary food waste together. Unfortunately, with Farm to Fork, the Commission hardly provides us with any instruments to consistently tackle this issue in Europe. But the avoidance of unnecessary food waste is part of every restorator's toolkit. Uh, sorry, toolkit. Responsible food handling is already a fixed and important part of gastronomic training and the comprehensive further training offered in the gastronomic professions. Purchase, purchasing and the use of goods must be calculated in such a way that food waste is avoided with the right portion size and a professional purchasing policy. I support this very much and bring it to life in my private household as well, not least as a trained master of rural home economics. I'm always, that, I'm always aware that food production has a significant ecological footprint. Its production requires land and consumes water. Unfortunately, in my home country of Germany alone, around 6.7 million tons of food waste are produced in private households every year. In addition, one third of all food produced for consumption outside the home ends up in waste. Sustainability, hardly any other term, is so much the, sub the subject of public discussion and is interpreted and practiced in so many different ways. One thing is clear, and this brings me to my conclusion. The hospitality and tourism industry, especially in rural areas, 
and thus its main service providers, the hotels and restaurants, are dependent on sustainable management and an intact environment. The preservation of ecological diversity, the responsible use of existing resources and the thought of the next generations are at the top of the agenda for your industry. Food and foodstuffs are highly personal and emotional. Consumers want enjoyment and not prohibitions. Inspiration instead of confrontation. I hear from Germany that large caterers, for example, have to do without our regional agricultural suppliers because of the Supply Chain Act. They simply cannot meet the requirements and are overburdened with excessive bureaucracy. This shows good ideas do not always bring good results in the end. As a tourism politician in Berlin, I was a member of the German um, Bundestag, I have closely accompanied and supported your industry for years. You work hard in this labor-intensive service industries. A big thank to all of you today from me. Stay motivated and committed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, MEP Mortler. I think it's a very good point you make there, that food is a very personal and emotional experience, and people don't want to feel you know, the, the scolded about food or ordered to do something with food. They want to feel opportunities with food. <clears throat> so with that in mind, also thinking about the hospitality sector and upskilling, we've talked a bit so far about the effects of the COVID pandemic on the hospitality sector. How do you think upskilling can help get the hospitality sector through those lingering effects? And how can it be seen, like you say, as an opportunity, as a, a fun thing, an optimistic thing? Um, okay, I think uh, professional experience is particularly important in the hotel and catering um, industry. Many of the skills and uh, personal qualities that are important for our industry can only be acquired, and this can only be acquired in practice. Uh, I just want to encourage all hospitality professionals to actively build their professional way in different exciting positions at home and abroad, and uh, to actively practice European, yes, how may I say, lifelong, European lifelong learning. This is particularly uh, true in an innovative industry, such as the hospitality industry, which constantly has to remain interesting for the guest, reinterpret uh, re traditions, and develop new trends. Yeah, it's a good point that hospitality needs to maintain 
it's being interesting to the guests, but also to the workers in the sector. Well, MEP Mortler, thank you so much for getting us started with this conversation today. We're going to take a short break now uh, just to get our stage set up. So if you're watching online, hang tight for just a second. If you're here in the room, stay seated, and we'll be right back with our panel discussion. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. We know what it takes on those cold mornings before dawn. As the neighborhood wakes, the plans are laid, the orders made, and our journey begins. Together, we focus on detail, freshness, value, convenience, service, the preparation, the passion, the care. It's the dedication to your customers and our shared love for quality products, food, culture, and local community that ensures your business and our family continues growing, thriving, and we can celebrate our future together. We are proud to serve you. Hello, welcome back. So now we're going to get started with the panel where we'll continue discussing some of these upskilling issues with the hospitality sector. We're very fortunate to be joined by a distinguished group of panelists here with me on the stage. Let me introduce them to you now. We have Wolfgang Trunk, who is team leader at DG Environment uh, at the European Commission. We have Volker Glazer, who is the CEO of Hospitality Digital, that's a provider of digital solutions to restaurant owners. We have Marie Audrin, who's Director General of HotRec, that's the Industry Association of Hotels, Restaurants, Pubs, and Cafes. And we have Quentin Guinon. He's a caterer and a chef and founder of Quentin. On a femme, which is basically Comte, we're hungry. Uh, he's going to tell us more about that project in a bit. Um, so you guys will be able to ask your questions to the panelists, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room using Slido. Uh, you can scan the QR code that uh, you can find around the room and there on the screen. You can actually use your phone to scan it on the screen there if you want, if you're in the room. Uh, put in your questions on Slido. I'll get them here on the tablet, and I'll put them to the panelists in a little bit. Uh, Marie, I'd like to start with a question to you, um, because we've heard so far, and particularly from MEP Mortler, about some of these the difficulties the hospitality sector is facing. So this is something that you're dealing with and looking at day in and day out. Could you tell us, kind of set the scene of what exactly these difficulties are that the hospitality sector is facing, particularly in terms of labor shortage. We know that's a major issue. Yes, uh, thank you very much and uh, good afternoon to, to you all. And, and really thank you very much for putting such a, a focus on the, the skills and, and uh, labor. I mean, in, in our sector, it's, it's very re revealing because at the end of the day, we, we are a service sector, we're a people sector. So, we work to welcome our guests and offer a lot of quality experience, enjoyment, and we also have a lot of people working in the industry. Um, so it's, it's really around people. And, and certainly, and a lot uh, was said before, uh, indeed, uh, we have this uh, issue of uh, skills and labor shortage after COVID. Of course, we're, we're not the only sector, but I 
think it's particularly acute in the hospitality and tourism sector. You mentioned 10 to 20% of the workforce uh, that is missing. Um, so it's, uh, it has a real impact on the day-to-day -day operation of business and, and, and that's really um, an issue we felt across Europe. So it's, uh, it's, it's really important that we continue f to focus on, on the skills. I mean, I have to say there is such a diversity of skills in the hospitality sector. Uh, and that's the great thing. You have, we need a different range. We need uh, interpersonal skills, uh, language skills. Now we'll come to that later, uh, much more and more related to sustainability, because of course uh, you need to manage, uh, manage waste, manage the food, manage the water, and also digital, because it's, uh, it's interesting and it's important to develop all these innovation, but you do know also people that uh, needs to uh, work with those tools. Um, so um, that's really uh, very important. And I think we mentioned uh, lifelong learning, apprenticeship, and, and really for us also to, to retain the workforce, to be attractive. So there's been a lot of initiatives at European level to promote the image of the sector, um, show how it can be fulfilling as a career. And uh, you know what I find great it's that you can do as a young person work in different bars and cafes and restaurants, but you can also choose to make your career and your life and your business within the sector. And all of that is important, I think, and, and, and give people a lot of uh, uh, skills that they can use for, for life. So um, really, I think it's, it's, it's really still the massive issue for, for the sector. Um, and we will probably face, continue to face some challenge, for example, this summer um, and, and, and all along the year, but to help really business to recover fully from, uh, from COVID and, 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 and get the right skills and the, the right staff. Well, Canton, you're someone who's chosen to make your life and your work in the sector. So you're dealing with a lot of these, these issues on the ground. And I know that a particular concern for you is food waste, which uh, we already heard about from MEP Mortler. Um, how can people on the ground working in the hospitality sector deal with food waste and are both, how can upskilling help deal with food waste and are customers also ready for the changes that might be required? So exactly there are like two things. So I'm a caterer, so I do mostly events. Um, and chef at home. For the chef at home, hopefully there will not be food waste because people are quite hungry and they respect it. But like for events, it's harder because um, I guess my customers would order for like 300 people and then show about 200. Then they've got 100 people of food waste that we prepared, which is uh, not nice for my staff and not nice for the, the planet. So how can we uh, upskill up people? The, the thing is, um, after that, most of caterers would just throw that in the bin. Um, I do not do that uh, because I, it's work. We did that with our heart, so we don't want to f waste food after that. And so the thing is, we take time to uh, repackage the food and donate it to, um, to people in need. Uh, but it, it takes time and money because, for example, uh, uh, they don't take all the food. They mostly don't take uh, meat. They take vegetarian food. Um, they also uh, do not want too much or too less, so it's, it takes a bit of time. And in my team, I've got one person that I trained to, when, when we come back from an event, I trained her to, uh, to uh, package the food and to know where to ship it and where to uh, give it to people. And it's, it took time because at, at the beginning, we, I would just go to a, 
some, uh, some place and ask them if they wanted food. And they said, yes, but not that one, and maybe not today, but tomorrow. And, and so it's, it's really not easy. And, um, and also in the kitchen, um, when you get a chef that's not trained properly, he might cook for 200 people if I ask him to cook for 50, you know what I mean? Because it's quite hard to, uh, to know how much, how many people are going to eat. And so uh, that's my uh, everyday job to train my team and to check that they're not going to do too much or too less. Um, because that could be a, a big problem as well. And after COVID, that's the worst because, as we said earlier, one person on five quit the hospitality to uh, go somewhere else. And so the four left. They're not specifically good trained, well trained. And so they are good chefs, but maybe not that good sometimes. And so we have to be behind and check that the food is going to be well prepared, the, the, the quantity is going to be right. And so that's really not easy, really not. So you mentioned that part of those efforts to combat food waste does involve packaging, inevitably. Um, so Wolfgang, I wanted to ask you about We've got the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive from the Commission, which has many environmental goals and is trying to deal with some of these sustainability issues. Um, and, and avoiding food waste is one of the goals of the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive, to make sure that you know, if you package things better, they can last longer. How would you say, as a whole, the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive has affected the hospitality sector? How will it affect the hospitality sector in its new iteration? Um, and what are the most important goals that need to be met? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the invitation to come here and uh, to talk again about uh, the, the proposal. First of all, it's a regulation. We propose a right, regulation. regulation that now. Is, I keep doing this. That is already a big, a big uh, important point because we learned that the current directive failed uh, in both objectives. In the objective of uh, environmental performance, uh, to bring up the to make the packaging sector uh, sustainable, reduce packaging waste, but also in terms of economic uh, objectives, uh, we have uh, uh, mushrooming national systems under this current directive, which are a big problem uh, for for all economic stakeholders. Uh, we have really big uh, uh, big uh, costs uh, of these uh, national systems for the for the for the industries and for also for the service providers. Now, indeed, food waste and food safety are our baseline for every everything. I worked the majority of my professional life. I worked in Digi Santé, uh, and so you can imagine our our the whole proposal was uh, based on this. Was not even a matter of priority, this is a baseline. So food safety is, 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 is a key pillar. Secondly, food waste uh, generation. We have uh, several, of course, uh, several measures who address uh, both issues, food safety and food waste. Uh, and we, uh, we were in very close uh, consultation with DG Santé, who is uh, uh, really uh, has a lead on food waste uh, reduction, but uh, we we all all measures we we made and I, I can dig out some of uh, the more concrete ones uh, where hospitality horeca is 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 affected. Uh, uh, so um, I start with I start with the with the one which is not food and these are these uh, miniature. Uh, shampoo bottles uh, that that are in the hotelry. Uh, it's not uh, that we want to ban. We consider them unnecessary, and it creates a lot of packaging waste, which is uh, which is phased out. There is not so much. 
uh, let's say, opposition against this point. It's point five of our famous Annex Five. Uh, so there, I think uh, we have some, some 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 consensus. There is much more uh, um, about um, um, concern about uh, point uh, three and four. Three is uh, the single-use uh, ban in in restaurants, and four is the ban of these small uh, miniature uh, packages of con con of uh, confiture or Nutella in a in a twelve. 12 gram tray of uh, of plastic uh, with a, with aluminium lid. Uh, so these ha we have considered these unnecessary. Of course, if you go today, still in in some hotels, you have it for free on the on the buffet on the bref breakfast buffet. But coming coming to now to the food waste, uh, we were, we are criticized. We are, we are increasing food waste. But here. Uh, if you go, the people going there and grabbing one of these 12 gram uh, Nutella, uh, they may, might take out um, one third, uh, two thirds, but one third is directly stays in and is food waste. So uh, we have a lot of concrete points where our where where where, where the proposal really uh, decreases food waste also, and uh, also let's say in transport packaging you have uh, food waste reduced with uh, with reusable packaging. Coming now to the maybe most uh, most tricky point for also the the the, the horeca sector is is uh, the the ban of the single use packaging in. Um, in, in restaurants, uh, this is also something where we, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the MEP said uh, we have many small uh, restaurants in, in the local areas. We foresee here that the member states can exempt uh, SME as uh, micro enterprises from this from this ban. So if uh, a member state says uh, a small island in Greece, there is no reuse system. Uh, for uh, for for in the restaurants, and we must still continue allow these uh, these, these these restaurants to continue with uh, single-use packaging. This is foreseen in the proposal already. But in the end, and this is our main objective. In the end, we also count on 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 a mindset shift, and we count on that uh, that there are new. Uh, business models evolving in this uh, and uh, in this in this area, so that uh, that these uh, uh, changes to a more sustainable uh, packaging uh, or food packaging will 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 materialize. We give an extra uh, time for we we are aware there are logistics, there are investments necessary, so we give six years more. Uh, uh, to 2030 to cope with these with these new rules uh, for for point three of Annex Five. So we think uh, we, we 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 gave the clear signal where to go. It's uh, it's undoubted that it is a big a big um, um, uh, reduction in packaging waste uh, due if with this with this ban. Uh, we think it's also, um, let's say, feasible, and let's say, coming to my most positive point, also with upskilling, to coming to the upskilling uh, point, I we see very, very uh, many uh, nice startups or in this in these services like yours. Maybe you might not be a startup anymore, but there are young, fresh ideas 
to cope with these new challenges also in this area uh, with, with reusable packaging, but also still I, I believe there is also the need for education, for training of the consumer, of the citizens, but also of the staff, uh, professional staff dealing with these to cope, uh, to, to really to reduce packaging waste, to really avoid that food safety is undermined or to really uh, ensure that there is not more food, safety, uh, food waste. So speaking of those new ideas to, to cope with these challenges, Volker, we know that digital tools um, are one avenue there. And we also know that the, the, the labor changes weren't the only change to the hospitality sector during COVID. We saw a lot of new digital innovations. Yeah. We had an increase in uh, home delivery. We had uh, QR codes at tables where you could uh, order your food at the table. And many establishments have chosen to keep that. That, in turn, has led to some anxiety um, in terms of the labor implications of all that. Um, what role would you say digitalization is going to play in upskilling the hospitality sector in a way that will benefit workers? Yeah, yes. Thank you. Um, so I think digitization can help in many ways in the industry, on many levels. So we heard uh, actually food waste, for example. There are fantastic tools in the marketplace where a restaurant owner uh, can actually pick uh, the right ingredients, uh, can, based on data, measure the volumes that are needed uh, to actually deliver um, the menu card. Um, this is helping the restaurant owner to run the restaurant more efficiently. Right? So really, based on data, understand what the patterns in the restaurant are, and we have cases where restaurant owners, once they use digital tools to plan, actually, um, their menu card, the ingredients that they need, um, they can you know, actually um, save food and ramp actually waste down by 30 to 50% or even beyond. So I think uh, just picking uh, the term here, food waste, in the industry, so is, this is important. And if then a restaurant owner uses tools like, like those, um, I mean, this in the end brings uh, innovation to the workplace, where today we have labor shortage. I think that's clear. But digital tools can make the workplace more interesting, more innovative, can attract young people specifically um, uh, more, if you will, aggressively, because that's what you have to do today as a restaurant owner if you're looking for people to work for the industry. We heard it from you, right? So one in five people simply gone. So you need to do something uh, to make this workplace in the restaurant interesting to young people. Um, the other thing is that if you think about you know, operational efficiency in the restaurant, there are really nice digital tools today, be it, you know, starting from uh, table booking, uh, pickup and delivery. Um, sometimes it still is the simple website for a restaurant to get visibility on the web um, and spread the information uh, on the restaurant so that users, specifically young users, will find the restaurant on the web. Um, so again, this brings um, uh, innovation to the workplace, uh, enables the owners and the staff to acquaint themselves with digital tools, which is upskilling in itself, in this industry, which needs it a lot. And actually, we've seen it. Um, you mentioned Corona in the beginning. Uh, corona was kind of a booster for digitization of this industry, 
which back then, so before 2020, was partly digital, of course. There was always a niche where you would say, ah, here's digitization already, but which was kind of really under-digitized. Right? So we've seen a digital push, and I think it's, uh, it's incredibly important that we bring the digital tools to this industry to, in the end, make restaurants, to make the horeca industry, where possible, more sustainable, but also more resilient. I mean, that's a, an important point these days, right? So will you survive in times where energy costs really go through the roof, right? So are there ways to manage your costs better, to run in the end your restaurant more uh, like a successful company? Um, and here, I think, over time, digital tools really help upskill the industry because people in this industry can acquaint themselves with future tools. There's one interesting initiative and website, actually, which we do support. It's my sustainable restaurant from metro.com, where we really inform on you know, all the ways and all the tools and all the practices that you can use and automate um, to, to run a restaurant more efficiently. So I think it really helps upskilling the, the industry. Um, Marie, I know you must be hearing from your members right now about this kind of double whammy they're experiencing with inflation and high energy costs on one end and the labor shortage on the other end. How can businesses attract new workforce? Um, what kind of skills are necessary to attract that new workforce in the context of a situation where a lot of independent businesses probably don't have a lot of extra money to be spending right now to just pay people to lure them in. Yeah, no, and uh, look, sometimes <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's incredible dif incredibly difficult right now for, for the sector because indeed we had COVID and you mentioned and probably it shed some light on the sector that was taken for granted um, and, and, and then we had to face uh, really the uh, inflation, the, the, the war. I mean, uh, really, costs are out of control for, for many of, of the businesses. Uh, it's already a sector where you have very tight margins. Um, and, and now, I mean, suddenly people were uh, seeing multiplied by 5 or 10 their energy bills. Uh, price of uh, food have uh, gone up by uh, thirty percent of more. So, in, in really in certain places, it's it's out of control for 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 the business. And as you rightly point out, they had to survive uh, through COVID. So a lot of them had uh, had to uh, uh, take loans to bank, and they also have to reimburse those uh, those loans right now. So it's it's really a, a major. Uh, major impact. We are also facing consumer, I mean, people who are also seeing uh, they are challenging with the inflation and, and, and they are challenging uh, challenges for them as consumer to choose uh, and, and their, their priorities and are struggling. So um, I, I think it, it requires a lot of rethinking of the practices for, uh, of course, for uh, uh, business and really they also have to engage with their guests, with their customers. But yes, they have to look at their cost in terms of uh, managing the waste. And I wanted to, to bring a few comments on that. You know, how they can save energy, cooking differently as, as, as well. And this is what I like. It's a very innovative sector in that. So we are, yes, facing a lot of challenges. But what I want to say is that there are great ideas, great innovation. Uh, but it's, 
it, it reflects really the willingness of young people, entrepreneurs who want to invest, who want to do things differently. But we also have millions of other companies who are struggling and, and we really need to, to take care of them and, and help them to, to survive and, and, and go through. Now, in terms of attracting uh, people, look, we we also aware that we have to uh, promote the image of the sector, what we can offer. So also the purpose in terms of uh, like all businesses, uh, you know, what are the values we are driving, the, the purpose of working there, maybe new tools like uh, the, the digital. Um, there's been a lot of discussion around Europe about, of course, uh, um, the, the, the working condition, I mean, we are fully aware of that and it's a challenging balancing act uh, because uh, you need to survive, you need to keep your business open and, and growing and investing if you want to be able to provide, continue to provide jobs. So, you know, it's, it's in, in many countries these are tough discussions um, and, and here it's the Euro skills. In, in, in Europe, and it's very important that we have these years of skills. For example, uh, we think, for example, uh, working on the legal migration package and, 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 and really uh, put a focus on the different talent pool and, and, and really attracting the workers is important. So we hope there will be progress on that uh, conversation in Europe on that legal migration package because we are really fully behind this proposal. Uh, that's very important. It's also uh, really uh, promoting apprenticeship, uh, lifelong learning as a, um, you know, a, a route into hospitality, and, and again training and, and uh, developing as a, as a you know business with your staff on digital on sustainability. But really, you have also to work with schools and training providers, so they really know what the business needs and 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 what we are seeking. So it's it's. It's a complex issue in the sense that there are many different ways, and, but there's a lot of activity nationally on really trying to promote the image of the sector. And um, I, I think, you know, just to react on the, the, the packaging and packaging waste uh, proposal, and it, because it's, it's a regulation, so we really are concerned with some of the really proposal in terms of we have such a diverse model of business. Yes, you have really ideas and 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 a model like uh, Quentin, if I may. But it's 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 really one way of doing business. Maybe with some proximity, some local. It doesn't necessarily, of course, reflect the the whole industry. And yes, you can change some of the practices, but uh, we need to train people. We need to ha people have the skill in in. The, in a restaurant, in an hotel, to manage, to refill. The, it's, it's not something that can happen overnight. So, you know, we need also a bit of flexibility and pragmatic approach when, when we look at this regulation. And it's, it's, it takes a lot of time, especially for small companies, to have the solution to offer that, to have also the, 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 the space and the, 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 in their establishment to, to manage all these weights. But... But certainly, there, there are lots of action, activities locally to, to, to work on that and to develop solutions, which does not necessarily require extra burdensome regulation. Well, we'll come back to the packaging issue, but yeah. first, Volker, you wanted to comment on this. Yeah, just, just quickly, I just wanted to comment on your point uh, on education. So really educating people uh, in a restaurant, this is a complex thing. I mean, if you see it from... 
uh, from the viewpoint of the restaurant owner. I mean, you need to run your business. Uh, in, in our case, it's you know, small businesses, micro businesses, if you will. Uh, we are bringing them digital tools, yes, <coughs> but educating the people means really actually going there. That's a complex thing. That's what we do with our consultants. Um, we consult the industry, we consult the people who are running their business, and we do see how complex this actually is. So we are talking about completely new digital processes, even if they help in the end, uh, that education needs to be done. And if I may say, I think uh, investing from an EU perspective into that kind of um, upskilling of the industry, really setting up education, educational programs, uh, knowledge sharing, knowledge transfer programs to make that happen for this industry in particular, I think this will pay out uh, in helping the industry uh, moving, transforming better, moving faster, becoming even more creative. The, the educational aspect for this industry, I think, is enormously important. Just wanted to comment on that one. Content, does that match with your experiences in the catering? Yes. So to give a concrete, small uh, example, I'm going to meet what um, we said earlier as well. I went to a hotel about a month ago, and the uh, breakfast buffet was, as you said, so basically small little 12 gram drums and stuff. And I thought about that, and I saw in the kitchen there was no chef, nothing, just kind of students, because I, I could see they were not trained and experienced. And the thing is, for the student, you said to him, the strawberry jam, if it's open and it's there, you just throw it in the bin. Easy, right? If you've got a big jar of strawberry jam, how can you explain to a student if, it's, if the strawberry jam is still good or not good? Because they're gonna see it, they need to be put a foil on it and put a date on it and, and put it somewhere, and it's quite hard, you know? It's, it's, um, so I'm totally against single-use packaging, but I understand that it's hard for some business owners to, uh, to train people correctly because if you have got a, a big, like for example, there you have got some uh, sandwiches for after for lunch here. How, if you don't have a chef, how can you explain someone that's not trained for that when this sandwich has to go to the bin, mm. or if you can serve it still again tomorrow? You know what I mean? And so that's that's the big thing. So we need to train people. And it, it's true that uh, we need help, and we need solutions to uh, help training people and to find trained people because that's the most complicated thing right now is to find people that know what they do. <laughs> so Wolfgang, does the commission also think that upskilling and reskilling needs to be part of the new regulation? Um, and, and how do you respond to Maria's point that you, know, you can't just expect these things to happen overnight? Well, uh, for us, this is, uh, the, let's say, the, the last step that we have to, uh, to train the people we are currently still in the phase where we are, for instance, financing uh, research projects, uh, what must be the washing protocol for reusable food container. These things uh, are, are currently more in, in, in the research pilot phases. Uh, we finance uh, also startups to, to develop these, uh, these refill, new refill systems and uh, this new models uh, that we need for transition to a more sustainable uh, packaging. Uh, in the end, and the next step, of course, I mentioned it already initially in my first uh, uh, comment statement, that the, we must train both the, the, the professional staff but also the consumer. Uh, if he wants to come back uh, into the supermarket with a, with a refillable container what, uh, or 
also in terms of food waste, uh, uh, but uh, come a little bit more to professional stuff here. I think uh, uh, this is a problem that you have, uh, or if you go to a McDonald's, uh, uh, the, the people who are serving you there, uh, I am, if I'm in Germany, I'm happy if I, they understand German. Uh, but um, so so this is really to train these people uh, first of all to uh, to ensure food safety, secondly uh, to avoid food waste, and in the end the high end would be that they they are capable to uh, to properly properly uh, dispose uh, the packaging. Um, Marie, on this point about the the consumers, it's true that as consumers we've become accustomed over many, many years to these small little packets of jelly or to the, the individual portions. How do we actually change uh, uh, consumer thinking? For instance, a consumer might think that a big jar of jelly rather than individual packets is unsanitary. They're, they're sharing the jelly with whoever was at the table before them. How do we change the consumer mindset here? Well, that's a, it, it's, a, it's a good question because while we were talking about food waste, I mean, I think it was the Eurostat study, 53% of food waste comes from households mm -hmm. in, in Europe. So that's really something because we are now looking at the, the commission will, will issue its food waste target. And if you look at the target, uh, food service, retail, and households will be all together <laughs> in the, the same target where, I mean, I, I think these are different, completely different issues. But the, the consumer, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's very important and we need to engage. I know in, and I'm sure Quentin, you do that, in restaurants, of course, the, the, the owner, the personnel has to be trained to explain to the consumer uh, maybe why they decide, for example, on in terms of the reduction of the, the portion, and um, but indeed there are very different things in terms of waste because you can be a restaurant owner but also it's catering it's a buffet in hotel and let's not forget we're just out of covid and covid means also a lot of concern from the consumer in terms of the health and safety and that's also one of the and I'm, i really hope it's not going to come back but you know it's 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 really something that uh, is important still today for consumer and for for guests so um uh, i i think i and and i don't have the answer but indeed it's not just for business we want to play a part and it's a, it's really a commitment from the industry uh, it's related to cost as well but we need to also educate can, can consumer and and certainly in the sector uh, talk to your customers explain also your approach but it's not always easy in a big buffet in a in a in a large hotel and and and, and where people expect certain things so, um, and yet yeah, the health and safety and the sanitary reasons are still really important for, for some. And, and, and I agree with you in, in terms of how, how then do you train or, for example, on the reuse, I mean, what's, where is the liability? I mean, if, if you, you bring back your, your container, and again, I mean, really by all means that people try in a very high touristic place uh, this summer to see if anybody is bringing back its, its container to this place. But in terms of the liability uh, for, for the sector, I mean, we need reassurance on that uh, because also then you need to have in place the system to, to, to clean, but the consumer needs to be aware of that, that when you... It's, so this has really to be thought through 
um, and 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 uh, and we want to move forward, but I think there are still some big questions uh, on, on this. Content. Yeah, I think the the main thing about that is it has to be also for the it has to be for the customer and for the the the, the business. It has to be easier to give something that's reusable than to throw something in the bin. The example of some fast food company that would make burgers and would serve that on a, on a real plate. I, I was amazed because I had real plate and real cutlery, but the thing is the sauce came in a little plastic pot. Why don't you put the sauce in the, on, the, on, the, on the plate or something else, right? And the thing is, it's because then they really needed a dishwasher and somebody to clean this little thing because the plate is quite easy, but all the little things go everywhere because I asked him. And he said it's faster and easier for us just to prep all the sauce in this little plastic tin and then they can keep it for three days in the, in the fridge and just open it, right? And so, like for me, I've got um, a takeaway counter as well and you can buy food. And I did, when I opened it a year and a half ago, I did half of my packaging that was single-use packaging and half of the plates in the fridge were uh, in real plates that you could take home, pay five euro for it and then give it back to me. And believe it or not, the two first weeks, the only dishes that were left in the fridge were the, the single-use packaging one. Because we are in an area where people are really, um, the customers are really like that, you know. And because it was easier, because the package, the pre-packaged food, you would take it, open it, transfer it into a plate, put it in the oven, it's not of work. But the, the thing I give with five euro, you take the plate, remove the plastic foil on top, only waste. And then you put it in the oven for 15 minutes and it's cooked, you can put it on a plate and eat it straight from that plate and then give it back to me. That's easy, and so customers are happy to pay five euro and then get it back after and not produce any waste. But I understand it's not ideal and it's not like this everywhere, but the thing is, it has to be easy and, 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 and we need to educate because we did lots of signs, we put on Instagram, on our mailing list, we, we said to people, why do you do that? And then people were like, oh, that's easy, and they do it and they buy it from me. So it's, it works sometimes. <laughs> um, Volker, I suppose some digital um, trends might be increasing food waste. Like if you think about home delivery, there's going to be more likelihood that somebody gets a, a individual sachet that they don't use, right? Whereas at a restaurant, they'd be, that would be sitting on the table. Are there also ways that new digital innovations can help um, reduce food waste and in particular change customers' behavior around food waste? Yeah, so I mean there are tools to help the industry prevent food waste from happening or reducing, right? So that is clear and that is happening and we see more and more restaurants using those tools. Now if we talk about the end customer or the guests in the restaurants or the people who order from pickup and delivery services, that's a very complicated thing and actually I wanted to add to what you said. I think here you will see the need for a you know, mega transformation in this industry, which is happening as we speak. I mean, end customers, we all end customers, will do what is easy, what is cheap. Um, creativity will come from packaging differently, um, rewarding a specific uh, use cases. Um, that is something I think that is happening as we speak. We are learning how to do that, but um, that will be a long way to go. Because if you think about the way, I mean, it's easy to call a pickup and delivery service or a delivery service, it will be there. Look, what actually exerts pressure on you as an end customer to not do that or 
to think about different use cases or to ask for different packaging there. You can't do because the services that do that, the delivery services, are extremely thin margin businesses. And most of those services are not profitable at all. And there are questions if they will ever be. So hence, they will turn to uh, ways to uh, reduce costs in the delivery component. Hence, yes, it will be about creativity in thinking about the use cases. And funding, I think, should really go there. Uh, thinking about use cases, thinking about packaging, um, uh, thinking about different processes. We do not have them today. Um, thinking about uh, rewards for you know, using a specific packaging and so on. Um, that is something that I think the entire industry, we all together, need to establish that. It's not here, it should be funded. And startups in this, in this segment of the industry should be funded massively because that's where the issue actually lies. Yeah? Wolfgang? Yeah, on this, uh, on this point, where can, we, where can we, let's say, where we, should we act? And, and therefore, we, we act on the, on the uh, in this case, a uh, specific case, on the restaurants and not on the delivery service because it's the restaurant who decides whether it will be a reusable uh, <coughs> a pizza box or, or, uh, uh, or, or a single-use paper cardboard box. Um, so so the, the, the responsibility is clear and we, we really um, encourage these, these new business models and uh, we, we see also, uh, of course, we have, we call it economic instruments. But also, as you mentioned, uh, you were in, in that, uh, in, in your, if you, uh, Germany has already introduced this uh, system that you can go to a restaurant and you can require, I want to have my food on a reusable uh, packaging. But uh, it depends already. The, all the different uh, actors, uh, Burger King has a different uh, approach to it than, than, than McDonald's. And we are learning from this experience. How, what, how has it been? You, you, you chose the five euro. This is probably smart. In other areas you have, or uh, you realize that uh, the people, they pay the two or five euros, but they don't bring it back because they like to have it at home. Uh, all these things uh, have to be taken into account or in another with these in economic instruments. They are very important. We, we just uh, pave the way. We create the, the, the opportunity, but uh, how they are then applied by, in, in, in real life, this we leave to, uh, let's say, we call it subsidiarity. For subsidiarity. So we, we establish the instruments also in terms of transparency. If you go in Germany to, 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 to uh, McDonald's and you say today, I want it in, in, in a reuse, then say it's, he says, okay, you have to pay two euros for the reusable uh, container uh, cup. Uh, and then, but he has to pay the same price then if he uh, uh, pays, uh, uh, if he has, has it in single use. That means even the one who pays for the, who, who, who opts for the, for the, for the multi-use option, he pays the price for the single-use cup uh, because this is priced in. So you pay, let's say, f for, a, for, a, for a Coke, you, I don't know, two euros, whatever. Uh, and if you want to have it in, uh, uh, in, in, a, um, in a reusable, you pay f uh, four euros because two euros a deposit. The two euros get, you get back. But from the two euros, you already have the price of, let's say, 20 cent is for the, for the cup, for the single-use cup. So the, even the, the multi-use uh, 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 client pays the single-use 
packaging even if he do doesn't, uh, doesn't use it. So all these things. So the funny thing is, I thought about that, and if you take the single use at my place, you pay one euro fine. <laughs> because I, yeah, I thought exactly. about that and I was like, that's not fair, you know? <laughs> and so if you want to, sing, to take single use, once you can pay one euro, that will never get it back. And then after that, people think and understand yeah. it's not really, because it takes time to put it in the single use one and it, it's not good for the environment and it, it takes time for me to buy this single use stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's also true that when um, I get, um, so I would say that 70% of my five euro uh, um, uh, plates come back and 30 percent, I will. I never say them back. So, so it's, it's a good business for yeah. you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting model. Um, okay, let's take some questions from the audience from Slido. Uh, first question is for you, Canton. Um, this question, sorry, I just lost it here. Uh, question is from Marine Tizon from Hotrek, um, and it's about kind of who who's paying for the, the f efforts to deal with food waste. Question is, are you carrying the costs of disposal and transport to donate the surplus of food to donation places? That, that's a really good question. Thank you, Marine. So, yeah, it's true. So that's why I said earlier that big caterers in, in Belgium, I'm not, not going to give any names, they just put everything in the bins because it's way cheaper. If I have food waste, just putting it in a bin, it's quite cheap because you, you don't pay the bin much, right? For me, it's about, if I've got a 300 people event, it's about two hours work after that to put that in packaging, to give it to the, to donate it. And because I don't want to put it in single use packaging, I use reusable packaging like big dishes. I give it there, then they eat it. And then the day after I need to come back and get my dirty dish back and then wash it. So it's between two and three hours work. And of course, yes, I pay for that, but it's, I, if I was a good business owner and a good financial, you know, if I Excel sheet worker, I could include that in my cost. But in real life, I pay for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe to comment on that again, I mean, that's what I meant before, right? So if we fund things on a European mm -hmm. level, let's think about that. We are talking about a monster transformation that needs to happen. So funding initiatives like this, I don't know how. I don't have the recipe here, but I think that's an interesting way to look at it if we want to together want to give a push to this transformation because it's huge. It's huge. Okay, so two questions on the labor force that I'll put to Marie. Uh, first one is from Massimiliano Govato. Um, regarding the workforce, would, would you see an opportunity between migration and the sector's labor shortages? Do we need to think about changing migration rules, migration laws to attract the workforce? Then uh, Giuseppe Luongo asks, regarding the labor shortage, um, do you link this issue to the notably poor labor conditions in the sector in terms of salary, workload, and timetable? Yeah, so on the, the, the first question, as mentioned, yes, I think, uh, I mean, the, 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 the movement of worker, the, the, the migration is important to the sector. We need people to, with different skills to, to work in the, the sector. So certainly in, uh, in Utrecht, we've, uh, as I say, we, we think the uh, legal migration uh, package from the commission facilitating for 
uh, entrepreneur, it's, it's, it's really important. I mean, there was this uh, looking at, for example, the, the talent pool. Of course, we, we need all kinds of skills, so not just high-skilled people. We need all kinds of skills. And having partnership and, and talking with third countries, yes, it is important. And, and we need to have uh, clear, uh, clear rules, open rules uh, on, on that aspect. And, and it can certainly help the sector. Um, on the second question, uh, yes, I mean, I mean, we we know, and uh, there's been a lot of discussions in country, and and more or less on average, maybe wages have increased by sixteen percent. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, you know, it's often through social dialogue in country. I mean, but that's not the only thing. So we, yes, there is a consideration of looking at the wage, maybe the the working. Um, the working condition, but uh, there is something else that we need to know to promote the image uh, of, 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 of the sector. And, uh, and look, we are in the sector, people want to have food and enjoy drink at, uh, you know, seven days a week, uh, almost. I mean, so we, we, we have also this constraint that this is our business and this is what people are expecting from us. Uh, but I think there's been, over after COVID, a lot of uh, uh, negotiations at national level uh, and, and really programs to, 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 to improve. Um, but uh, I, I think we need also, as I say, to promote uh, at school also the image of the sector, uh, show that you can have a fulfilling career uh, and, and, and really train people all life. It's, uh, so it's, yes, it's part of the conversation, wage of working condition, of course, but there are much more than that because, uh, as I said, there's been increase in, in overall in wages in many countries, but we are still, you know, need to find the right skills and the right people. Okay. Yes, on this, my personal perception is that uh, with, with our reuse uh, targets or uh, single-use bans, we are really increasing also the image of, of, of the alternatives. I see a lot of uh, young, fresh uh, 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 people who, who go into this, uh, into this sector. And so uh, <laughs> if, I, if I can put it, the, the, the traditional uh, 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 people in, 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 in restaurants who, who work with uh, single-use packaging, uh, this is really, um, or put, to put it positive, the, the reuse systems, they, they, they are more attractive in my personal perception for all, uh, all this because it implies also new, new services. Um, and so I have the, the, the feeling that uh, with these uh, measures that we come up with now in the packaging proposal, uh, the, the, the jobs in, in, the, in, 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 the, in the Horeca, uh, at least in the, in the reuse sector, uh, you can have more automation. So these works that are currently done by uh, uh, not well-paid uh, uh, workers in, uh, uh, in uh, sorting single-use or giving out single-use, the, the, the alternative jobs are a little bit more sophisticated. You can automize, uh, have a lot of automation. Uh, in, in, you have pooling systems for these washing, uh, washing services, all these things. I, I see there is some 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 fresh uh, f uh, fresh uh, businesses uh, rolling out with uh, with more attractive working conditions and hopefully also payment. Okay, we have another question to Canton here. Uh, question is from Matteo Gonzalez. 
Uh, when you consider the sustainability of the menus you serve, how do you calculate the carbon footprint of what you serve? Do your customers tend to demand local and seasonal, or do they get exotic products even if they are shipped from across the Atlantic? All right. So I do not calculate because I, <laughs> I mostly uh, buy from local producers, um, and I try to educate my customers. So I've got... Uh, I've got lots of different customers, but no, most of them are also embassies, and that's the hardest part because um, um, they want to feature their products. Uh, and so, basically, if I work for an embassy that's all over the like really far from here, they want me to put in the plates meats that comes from there. You know, so that's not ideal. So I try to educate them and show them that it's possible to eat as well when you buy food locally. And so I don't calculate the carbon footprint, but I. I tend to, um, to buy uh, food from places I know. For example, for the meat, I would go in Bercel. It's about 15 k from here on a small uh, farmer that, that produces a lot of meat. And no, it's not organic, but it's homegrown. It's a small family. It's homemade and it's really good. And then it's, it's better than meat that comes from, I don't know, Ireland or Australia or New Zealand or something like that. Because there's New Zealand lamb a lot in Brussels. It's good, but the thing is, it comes from New Zealand. We've got really good lamb in Brussels as well. And so why choosing the, that one? Because, it's, because sometimes it's faster, it's easier, and you find it a lot in supermarkets. And I do not always agree with that. Volker, are there digital tools that can help Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted ah. to comment. I mean, that you could, though, <laughs> uh, use digital tools to trace, for example, okay. uh, to really get down to this carbon footprint of what you serve. Um, uh, this is available, right? So there's the ProTrace initiative we are uh, promoting at Metro, for example. There are digital tools that we do offer. One is called Menu Kit, for example, where you can really take note of that. So the ingredients that you buy, where does it come from, what's in there. So all this information is available uh, if you want to do them. Not doing you're doing a bad job. Of course not. You're doing a great job. But uh, if you want to, and if we see all of us, uh, if we see ourselves as part of this transformation that needs to take place, then uh, it makes sense to think about processes like those, right? So, and tools like those that help you uh, go to the information level that you need uh, to promote and, and push um, sustainability uh, in the end. If I could just add something. So, for example, in Brussels, they, they did a... Uh, um, um, sustainability fish guides. So basically, there is like a little book that I use every single day that helps me finding the fish that's uh, green and eco-friendly. So for example, Sebas, which is a fish that, that's really bad. I didn't know that because I don't have all the knowledge in the world. And all of those kinds of tools that can help me to find that right now it's the sins of asparagus. If I'm a good chef, I know that, but nobody knows, not everybody knows that. And so it's it's nice to have tools like a book or a website or something that can be, all right, we are in June, I can buy asparagus. We are in September, I cannot buy asparagus, you know? So that's good because then chefs can, be, can do their menus and they'll say like, okay, asparagus are really good, but maybe not right now. Maybe in June it's better, you know? And so that helps a lot. Yep. On the, on, the, on the digitalization, uh, I was three weeks ago on the, on the Interpark, the world's biggest uh, packaging uh, fair, 
and uh, I was just talking about digitalization on one, on one conference. So we have also uh, upcoming uh, technologies like the digital watermarking that will help us for packaging. It's very cheap. It's incredibly cheap. I was surprised. So the, and this you can use to uh, not only to improve the sorting, the, the whole waste management, but also, as you mentioned, uh, tr uh, traceability uh, for, for uh, shelf life, all these things reduce food waste. Uh, uh, and we can put this on the packaging and then we have this, uh, we pave the way for these technologies in the new regulation. Uh, but then it will be in the end, uh, the, the, the businesses who will say, okay, uh, for this, Packaging, it makes sense to have a, a, a digital watermark uh, and for the other not. So we don't say from Brussels all new uh, pet trays must in future have a digital watermark. So, uh, but this is, uh, this, is, this is very promising new technologies to, to increase efficiency, to increase the waste sorting, waste management, and also to reduce food uh, waste and uh, increase food safety. And, and maybe on that point that you made, right, so efficiency, yes, and I think as a restaurant owner today, I do realize I need to lift um, operational efficiency in my restaurant. I need to run it more than a, than, than a successful company, um, as a successful company, so that is in the end, I will tend towards uh, using those kind of tools, uh, using the information I need, um, and I think we just need to make use of. Many things are already there, um, so let's use them. I mean, on that subject, Marie, I wonder, have your members looked into, because I know that there's, there's likely two kinds of consumers here, one consumer who wants all this information and one consumer who definitely doesn't, and a, a type of consumer that would sit down at a restaurant and have a menu overloaded with mm -hmm. sustainability information, carbon uh, counting, calorie counting, and say, ugh, I'm going somewhere else. Um, how, how do you strike that balance between providing that information to the ones who want it and not overwhelming the ones who don't want it? Well, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody would really want just overload, uh, you know, menu, but I think it's again a part of these uh, skills that also people have to, to, I mean, first the owner of the restaurant and then train its staff to, to, to really explain and, and, and why they've chosen certain uh, ingredients on, on train on allergens or train on maybe using more vegetables, for example, what they can do. But it's all, I think, more through the skills, the training that forcing people to, you know, get just a Bible on the on the menu with all this sort of, of information. But that's again, because um, I mean, on the, the local, working with the local, uh, it's true, I mean, uh, uh, local farmers and community or the season. But uh, look now, you go in the summer in anywhere in the south of Europe, who doesn't want a fresh orange juice, but do you grow orange in the summer? You know, it's a winter more, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes in some country people want to have access to everything, so it's difficult for us to then work out and explain, no, this is not the season for that fruit or for that vegetables, and that's why, but then the, some of the guests, they really want so. But again, it goes through the, uh, really, the, the, the skills, the communication, and speaking to, uh, to, to our guests. But it's, it's again, uh, something that uh, we really have to work. Uh, but I agree, it's uh, really working with locals, uh, farmers and, and communities. Now you need to think of the logistics because it's not always something really uh, easy as well and the, the quantity, the affordability. 
but uh, but that's where the skills and the, the 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 communication with the consumer is very important, rather than forcing all the information on on the menu. I, I think. And in that sense, it's an education process that involves a lot of people in the value chain here, mm-hmm. ending with the consumer, but also all the way up to the, the restaurant workers, the people on the farms, the local produce uh, sellers. It's a lot of education that needs yeah. to be done. Um, so we're just about out of time. I think that was a really great conversation. I don't know about you guys, but it's made me very hungry, so I'm looking forward to the, the networking outside. How about a round of applause for our panelists with some great interventions? And I'd like to invite you outside now for uh, some sandwiches and drinks. And if you've been watching online, thank you so much for joining us. And I wish you an excellent rest of the afternoon. Take care. Mm